This is the Barbecue Central Radio Show, which is recorded live each Tuesday at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. The Barbecue Central Radio Show is being brought to you by The Barbecue Guru, the original creators of automatic temperature control devices, now offering four different models for you to choose from. Rest easy knowing that The Barbecue Guru is controlling your temperature so you can get on with your life. Visit BBQGuru.com or call 800-288-GURU for more information. And by Fred's Music and Tasty Licks BBQ Supply, your online barbecue and grilling superstore. From cookers to grills, wood chips and chunks, and everything in between, also be sure to try the Tasty Licks barbecue brand of rubs and sauces. Check Fred out online at TastyLicksBBQ.com. And by Stephen DeFranco Jewelers. Located in beautiful Willoughby, Ohio, Stephen DeFranco Jewelers is a family-owned and operated business looking to service the great folks of the barbecue and grilling world. Get free shipping and big discounts by mentioning my name and the term Barbecue Brother. Check out their inventory by visiting stephendefranco.com. And by Butcher Barbecue, with 30 years of experience in retail, wholesale, meat markets, food service, and customer service. Using that experience, everything they do and sell at Butcher's Barbecue comes from real-world knowledge. Check out their award-winning spices, sauces, marinades, and injections by visiting ButcherBBQ.com. Always trust your butcher. And by iGrill. The iGrill is a Bluetooth-enabled cooking thermometer that allows you to monitor the temperature of your food and smoker or grill from up to 200 feet away. Using the free iGrill app for your iPhone, iPad, and Android devices, you can set preferred temperatures, and your smart device will alert you when it's ready. It's perfect for cooking steaks to perfection or low and slow smokers overnight. Head to iGrillInc, that's the letter I, grillinc.com to learn more. And by Barbecue's Delight Wood Pellets. The barbecue wood pellet choice of competition cooks and backyard hacks just like me. The perfect blend of two-thirds oak and one-third flavor wood gives you that right BTU burn and flavor that you're looking to get all over your meat with smoky goodness. Visit BBQRSDelight.com. And by Green Mountain Grills. Discover something you're really going to love. Cooking with pellets. Green Mountain Grills are widely available across the country. Top-of-the-line manufacturing, but not the highest in price. Visit GreenMountainGrills.com to get started on your pellet adventure today. So to get that perfect barbecue, you use wood. Are you sure it's safe? Whatever. We put the lighter fluid on, strike your match, and... Should we call the fire department? That might be a good idea. All right, good evening, and welcome to the really big Barbecue Central Show. Uh, this is a show that talks about all things important in the world of barbecue and grilling, broadcasting live and direct from the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame city of Cleveland, Ohio. I am your program host, Greg Rempe. Happy to have you aboard here on your Tuesday evening. If you want to jump in on the show tonight, more than happy to have you. Two ways to do it. It's a toll-free call. 
People rarely use them. 877-448-0433. You can also email the show at any point if you want to. Greg at com. Make a special note of the email address, too, because that's the one that we also use for the giveaways, and we do have a giveaway tonight. That'll be happening in the second hour. So lots to get to. Uh, everything else about the show, if you want to know about it, uh, more about me, more about the show and how it was spawned, how to sponsor the show, links, companies, and charities that I'm supporting, whatever. Can all be found at thebbqcentralshow.com. I highly suggest that you go over there and sign up. Also, if you if you if you've been waiting for the right time to sign up for the newsletter, let me tell you, this is the time to do it. It's right at the top right hand of the webpage, thebbqcentralshow.com. Put in an email address, you'll get a nice confirmation note, very generic. But then, within a 24-hour time frame, you will get. A thank you note from me and my coveted, dare I say, highly sought-after homemade barbecue sauce. What's you get from me to you for signing up? What can I tell you? All right, here's what's happening on the show tonight in case you uh, have not signed. Oh, yeah. Who is that over there? Got some people outside here. We don't know what's going on. Ain't nobody got time for that. Maddie, report. Who are they? Who is it? Right? It's a van parked out in the middle of the uh, compound. No idea what's going on here. I might have to jump out at a moment's notice with my gat to put in work, ladies and gentlemen. Up. Never mind. Everything's fine. Um, Here's what's happening. About 12 minutes from now, it was going to be Stephen Reichlin. We're flip-flopping second and third guests. Or first and second guests, depending on how you're looking at it. Second and third segments is what I meant to say. George Hensler... Pitmaster of Who Are Those Guys will be joining us in about 13 minutes from now. 9.35-ish, could be a little bit sooner than that. The one and the only Stephen Reichlin joins us. And then we will look at... Jim, can you see that shirt? Jim Elser is in the chat room. Sweet Smoke Q t-shirt. Came yesterday, you know me, man. If it's free, it's me. It goes right in the wash. I wear it right uh, that Tuesday. If you, not only is the front of the shirt really cool, the back of the shirt is badass. Of course, that would have to require me to turn around, and it looks bad on camera. Nevertheless, uh, then we'll move into the second hour, and we have at ten fourteen a very good friend of the show, wildly successful celebrity of Southern California, Sam Zion, Sam the Cooking Guy, joined us. And then to help me close out the show, right around 10.35, the most recent winner of the qualifying rounds of Barbecue Pitmaster, Lene Oxley, Sugar's Barbecue and Catering Joint. Top show, ladies and gentlemen. So very happy that you've decided to tune in to this one, I'm sure. As I always ask you at this specific moment, you're watching the show, get on the social media, the Twitter or the Facebook, or both if you have them. Get Hootsuite if you have them. Post to every single social media outlets you have at one time, broadcast it out there. Let everybody know you're watching the show or listening to the show. If you are watching the show, it's OutdoorCookingChannel.com. If you are audibly getting the show and you can only audibly get the show, go to my website, TheBBQCentralShow.com. And don't forget, you can watch this show right here on the Roku, which is Internet Protocol TV or IPTV for the lames. Uh, you just need a Wi-Fi connection and a Roku box. You can find it pretty much at any Department store or electronic store, as for Roku, or 
take the lazy way out like me, R-O-K-U, Roku.com. Fun way to consume the show. Here's a fun fact. Kevin Bevington, creator of Outdoor Cooking Channel, wanted me to, well, he was just kind of feeding the ego, I guess. But there's this thing out there called Rabbit, like the animal, Rabbit TV. Uh, this is a USB stick that goes into a USB port on your computer. And evidently, it's got like 5,000 preloaded internet TV shows, uh, uh, channels. And Outdoor Cooking Channel is one of those. And this show right here featured on the Live on Tuesdays. Beautiful. 600,000 people have Rabbit TV. Are you kidding me? Props to Rabbit TV and Kevin for letting me know. Kevin? Without getting into uh, full detail, hope you are feeling better. Speed recovery, my friend. Kevin, stay strong. People ask me all the time with uh, some moments that I have left here in the open. Often you are talking about the show Karma, and we've noticed that perhaps there is this trend where somebody might come on the show, uh, they have a competition, or maybe they're doing a restaurant opening, or their first book signing. A album is getting released, whatever the case may be. They show up on a Tuesday, something happens that following weekend, and things go extremely well. We call it the show karma. People ask me, does it work? You tell me if the show karma really works, folks. You would recall one week ago, nearly to the hour, Pitmaster of QOW, Mike Wozniak joined me on the show. We recapped their win at the Sam's Club Local that past weekend. He was on his way to Whiting, Iowa on a like Wednesday-Thursday contest, no less. And uh, what do you think he did? On the show Tuesday, Grand Championship Thursday, boom. It's just that easy. It's a show karma. It doesn't never not work. Another point of uh, fact for that, maybe on July 4th, Thursday at noon, you tuned into, was it ESPN? Was it ESPN or ESPN2? I forget. Little thing called the annual Nathan's Famous Hot Dog Eating Contest. Making it seven times in a row, breaking his own record of 68, Joey Jaws Chestnut sets new record. Now you might be saying, you're stretching a little bit. That Joey Chestnut was not on your show last Tuesday. How are you dare laying claim to this? Well, I'll have you know that uh, Joey has done the show not once but three different times. The last two times coming on the heels of his 4th of July eating victories. And I am currently in talks with top men right now over at the International Federation of Competitive Eating. And we will get Joey Chestnut to recap his record-breaking hot dog and bunny. He cuts 69. Hey, everybody. 69 hot dogs, 69 wieners and buns and buns, no less. It's crazy. 69 wieners and buns. That's like 30, 20,000 calories. It's ridiculous. So uh, should be landing the jaws sooner than later to recap. Not only the 69 breaking, shattering the record of 68, which he held. I think he did that two years ago or three years ago. And then seven wins in a row, seven mustard belts in a row for Joey Chestnut. So the show karma continues to not only live in the near future, but there are uh, what we call in the sales world residual income benefits from the show karma. Appearing on the show never does bad things for anybody. I got an email from a guy named John Kelly. 
When you go something like this, Greg, as you know, some barbecue judges take contest food home. Others do not. The food they bring home is the food they have already bitten into and handled with their hands during judging. So the food is not suitable to be given away. As a judge, I don't bring food home because lugging a cooler around is a hassle. Still, it makes me feel bad to just throw it away. John, I get it. That wasn't my point when we were talking about judges and uh, bringing their food home from contests. It, the way I was reading it and the way that it was coming off to me, and maybe I'm incorrect, but it seemed that you are in the minority. Hey, if you bid into it and you want to take it home after the fact, hey, God bless you, you bid into it. I tell the kids all the time, you touch it, you eat it at the dinner table or wherever we're at. But if you're a judge and you are bringing a cooler to a contest in sole purpose of thinking that you are then owed whatever leftover food that has accumulated in the judge's tent, that is your God-given right because you have made effort to get wherever it is that you live from to this contest. That I do have a point of contention with. I think if you sign up for a judge, you should know exactly what you're getting into. And it shouldn't be incumbent upon anyone to provide you with any kind of sustenance or extra food, especially by the pound or that you are packing in coolers. Bring it home. There's got to be something better to do with that leftover competition food. If you ask for it, if somebody gives you, you know, to think that one demands it. That's a little weird to me. Maybe it's not to you. All right, folks, uh, we're coming back with George Hensler from Who Are Those Guys? We're going to be talking about uh, Totally Q. It's available right now, an insider's look at the crazy world of barbecue. Well, first, I want to talk to you about Stephen DeFranco. Look, Stephen DeFranco is a barbecue jeweler to the stars. And by stars, of course, I mean barbecue stars. Just like me, just like you, just like anybody. If you are a man or a woman, you're looking for a fine timepiece. Might I impress upon you the Bolivar Precisionist? This is the most accurate watch in the world. Forget about Rolex, forget about Tag Heuer, all those other ones. The Precisionist is the most accurate in the world. The exclusive movement of the Bolivo Precisionist breaks down the second-hand movement into 16 segments per second, giving the second-hand a smooth-moving appearance. Steel and titanium versions available as well. Of course, there is the Accutron version, the high-end without the high price, the Cadillac of the Bolivo line. The Accutron is a pinnacle of high-end design without breaking the bank. Starting below 600 bucks, the Accutron watch gives you the high-end style, quality, and lifestyle without breaking the bank. Of course, he's got Citizens. He's got that cottage watchmaker that's right out here in Westlake, Ohio, called Philip & Company. You know, many high-end European watch companies use Swiss movements from a company called ETA. Philip hand-assembles his watches personally using ETA movements and hand-picked components starting at 895 bucks. Philips watches not only have an elegant European style, but they are affordable. All Philips watches are serial numbered and registered with Philip himself. So here's what you got to do. You go visit the website, Stephen DeFranco, D-I-F-R-A-N-C-O, StephenDeFranco.com. Pick out a watch. Call Steve directly. 440-943-2700. Tell him you're a barbecue brother or sister. He will give you the real deal. Can't show you the real price on the website because dealers are all kind of crazy about that. Steve will give you the real price if you tell him that you are a barbecue brother or sister. And, of course, it ships for free. When you get the watch from Steve, extra your warranty, engraving, gift wrapping, personalization. It'll set the time for you. Batteries for life. Come on. Who are you kidding? You want to watch? Go to the guy that I go to, Stephen DeFranco, Stephen DeFranco Jeweler, StephenDeFranco.com or 440 
888-943-2700. We're back with George Hensler. From who are those? Who are those guys? Hey, everybody, who are those guys? Right after this, stick around. We'll be right back. Broadcasting live from the Barbecue Central Radio Network Studios in Cleveland, Ohio. You're listening to the Barbecue Central Radio Show. Once again, here's your host, Greg Rampy. Show.com if you want to get down with the show tonight. Uh, my first guest tonight is the pit master of the team. Who are those guys? Uh, he's also just released his second book about barbecue, or at least within the barbecue industry vein. Totally Q is out now, ready for you to read, buy, and otherwise. Go ahead and race over to the hotline. And welcome back, friend of the show, pit master of Who Are Those Guys? George Hensler joining me. George, how are you, buddy? Doing well. How are you? Doing absolutely fabulous, George. Always appreciate the time you make for the show. And, you know, here we are, middle of, is it the middle of summer yet? Jeez, I mean, we're uh, damn near the the middle of July. Uh, So at least halfway through the year is over. And what better way to kind of introduce the middle of summer than with a great barbecue book. It's called Totally Q. You are the author. You had the, uh, was it Lighting the Fire, which was basically like a complete guide to starting a barbecue competition cooking team. How did that first effort go for you, and was it better than expected? Was it harder than you had anticipated? What was the, the first book like? The first book, which was called uh, Starting the Fire, um, it it's went very well. It's still selling uh, today. Uh, it's been out for a couple of years. Uh, for a niche market book, uh, it really exceeded my expectations as long as, uh, as well as the publishers uh, as far as the uh, how it was received. How do you, when you're dealing with the publisher, I always love the inside scoop from guys. When you're dealing with the publisher, do they set criteria and say, okay, George, these are the benchmarks that we would like to hit for us to consider this book to be a success, or do they leave that kind of vague to you? It's kind of a vague issue, especially um, in the smaller houses. I suppose if you're in the strata of the New York big publishing houses, it may be a little different. But on the smaller scale, such as where I find myself, it's uh, it's a little bit different. <laughs> George Hensler joining us here on the show. Um, so you have the second book come out. Are you approached by... Your publisher saying, hey, George, we'd like you to write another one. Do you have to go and kind of pitch totally cue to your publisher? How does that whole relationship work out? This, uh, this particular project was suggested to me by the publisher. Uh, they came up with an idea for a barbecue trivia type book, um, and we we worked together. It, the project, I suppose, took about a year and a half from uh, when I first got involved with it, and it was a lot of fun, you know, doing a lot of research 
checking me in uh, around for different uh, information that I was going to include. I actually submitted probably twice as much information as what ended up in the book as uh, you know I submitted the uh, more than than uh, ended up in the book. They you know they cut it down for size and whatnot, but. Uh, it was it was a lot of fun working on the project. So, what kind of a research mode do you have to go into? And uh, does the publisher say, "Hey, we want you to kind of outline exactly what you want to hit"? Do they give you specific ideas of items they would like to see covered, or that they think a reading public would be interested in? They gave me some suggestions. I, I then gave them uh, my suggestions. We kind of combined the effort uh, with an outline to start with. And then they they really kind of just let me go, and I I just took off and just started researching, and it was it was a lot of fun because I would I would find myself searching for for some bit of information, and then I would find three or four other pieces of information as I was looking for one particular piece, which may take me in a different direction, and sometimes I'd go that way, or I'd or, you know I'd make notes and come back, but it was just a lot of fun. It, I, the hardest thing for me seemed to be was when to stop and say that that I was finished because you know just like anything you can always find you know look look underneath of another rock you can always find something else to to uh, to go with but um, at some point you have to say you know you had enough so when was this book uh, officially released George uh, it's been out for about uh, a month and a half now maybe two months uh, we were tr- we were shooting for trying to get it out uh, this past March, and we were going to release it at the Fiery Food Show, but uh, it didn't work out. We had a few issues that held things up, but uh, we were glad to get it out here uh, last month. From all accounts from your publisher, I mean, six, eight weeks, certainly not a long period of time, but are they happy with the, the returns at this point? Yes. The, the reviews that are coming in, the, the feedback that they are getting, and I suppose well, the sales that they're seeing, they're 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 very happy with how things are going. George Hensler, and so am I. Well, hey, I mean, uh, as long as you and the publisher are happy, that, that that's the marriage that should be happy, right? Right, that's right. George Hensler joining me here on the show. The book is Totally Q, an insider's look at the crazy world of barbecue. And uh, George has a website, W-A-T-G. Who are those guys? W-A-T-G-B-B-Q.com, if you want to check that site out here while we're talking. George, is there a couple, two, three parts of the book that you find uh, to be your favorite as you were researching, as you were able to kind of finally hone those uh, particular chapters, things that are dear to your heart? Well, I I particularly liked the... uh chapter on barbecue and politics I'm, I'm somewhat what of a political nerd as uh, in addition to being a barbecue junkie and I, I so I really enjoyed some of the information that I came up with there uh, one particular piece I thought was very interesting was the president Eisenhower he he liked to grill out so much he had a, a grill a grilling station set up on top of the White House where he'd He'd go up there in the evenings and, and cook steaks for guests on the roof of the White House. I, I certainly can't imagine anybody getting getting away with something like that in today's world, but I, I just thought that was an interesting tidbit. And um, I also enjoyed the, the – I have probably close to 700 songs that are barbecue, grilling, food, uh, chicken, beef, pork-related uh, listed in the book, uh, 700 plus uh, song titles, which uh, I find 
searching for the song titles and, and, and songs to do with outside cooking to be very interesting. George Hensler joining me here on the show. We're talking about his new book, Totally Q. All right, George, so uh, as you are getting favorable returns, uh, the publisher is getting favorable returns, is writing a book, and, you know, I don't know if it differs, you know, if you're going to, like, a random house or, you know, one of the big publisher houses or, you know, if it's, you know, a little bit less than that. Is uh, being an author now of of two books, is this a lucrative venture for you? I mean, we're not looking for exact (laughs) figures. No names, please, of course. But, uh, you know, uh, is it uh, it a lucrative uh, side thing for you? Uh, it is not. Um, I, I'll, I'll just t- I'll just tell you this little story. Back when I first had my uh, when I had my first book and I sent it out to a fellow by the name of Dave Dewitt. He's out of Albuquerque, New Mexico. Oh yeah, I know Dave you know, Dewitt. The, Absolutely, the Pope of Peppers, right? Well, Dave's been very instrumental in helping me with with my writing and and getting my books published. And when I sent him a self published copy of my Start in the Fire book back in two thousand nine for Dave to take a look at. He called me on the phone one afternoon and he said to me, George, you know, know, what do you want to do with this book? Are you looking for a publisher? And I said, well, sure. You know, I'd love to have it published. And he said, well, what what is your aspiration? What do you want to do with it? Do you think this is going to make you rich? And I said, Dave, if I could cover the cost of the, uh, you know, the the hundred dollars or whatever it was I had in the self-publishing, I'd be, I said, if I could make one cent more than that, I'd be happy. And he said, okay, we got a deal. <laughs> so he, he's your, uh, so he was the publisher. Well, he, he, at that time he w- he pushed me to a friend of his in the publishing business. And this particular book here is published by one of Dave's companies. This, this, this new book, totally cute. Dave's uh, company is, is actually the publisher on it. So are you in a position now where you could say, Hey, uh, let's sign me to a two, three more, five more book deal. At this point, you are you've covered you know what it takes to start your own competition cooking team in wildly in depth with Start and Fire. Uh, totally Q now is giving you a really an insider's look. I mean, not to, to steal the the subtitle off, but you're getting a lot of insider looks and bits of information and background on stuff that I guess you typically wouldn't normally get from a lot of these other books out there. Are you in a position to start demanding uh, some uh, more money and some more guaranteed books to write coming up? I don't think that I'm quite at that level at this time. I'm still really enjoying writing. I don't know if you know, but I also write for the Kansas City Bullsheet. I write a monthly column there and also the National Barbecue News each month. I have columns. And I really just enjoy writing. It's more of a part-time venture, just something I do for fun. I really like the the, the book and the book uh, part of the of the deal. The, these two books have been a, just a super ride for me. I've enjoyed uh, writing them. I've enjoyed the response that I get from the people when I'm out on the barbecue circuit and they come up to me and they talk about the book, how maybe it helped them or how they enjoyed it, and that and that kind of thing. So for me, it's just, uh, it's uh, it's a part time fun thing at this point. George Hensler joining me here on the show. W-A-T-G. Who are those guys? W-A-T-G-B-B-Q.com is his website, uh, competition cooking team-wise. And we're talking about his book, Totally Q, an insider's look at the crazy world of barbecue. That's what it looks like, as I'm showing everybody here on the camera. Uh, George, you'd mentioned the uh, bullshit and national barbecue news. I just got a question in from uh, Patrick who was asking me to ask you, why is it that the exact same article written by George appears in both the Bullsheet and the National Barbecue News each and every month? What is going on? That's not you, right? That's obviously a publisher deal. Well, yes. 
I, I write for both of the papers for probably the first two, maybe three years that I wrote for them. Both I, I was submitting separate articles for for each paper, and it, what it really boiled down to was was just a time issue on my part as some of these other projects started to come forward and in my my writing time which you know i, I work i work a full-time job so my writing is, is a part-time venture for me and as um you know the hours in the day just started to wind down a little bit i just thought it would be make more sense for me to write one article a month and then submit it to both of the papers if they were interested in in uh, running them and uh, they just they agreed to do that and it just saves me time. Sometimes uh, articles fly out of, fly out from my computer, but other times, you, you know, you sit there staring at the screen, scratching your head, wondering what you're going to write. So it was more or less a time issue as far as it went to uh, go to both papers with the same article. Is there a particular point uh, or, or a particular part of barbecue that you like to write about more passionately than other aspects of it? I mean, you know, I like covering certain things, I guess, more than I would others. But I want to make sure that I'm being even and as democratic and as unbiased as possible. Do you find yourself having to to fight yourself to get into things that might be out of your comfort zone when you're writing? At times I do, but most most of the time I, I try to, at least I make an effort to try to find something with a bit of a humorous humorous spin to it when I when I'm looking for something to write about. If I'm at a contest and I and something you know something funny or a circumstance happens that that you know can make you laugh, but that that's kind of what I have my eyes and ears open for uh, when I'm trying to come up with material for an article or 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 a book chapter or something like that. I'm always looking for uh, see if I can find a little bit of a funny bone in something. George, where can people buy Totally Q? Uh, it's on Amazon.com. They could uh, put my name in or the, the title of the book. Easy enough. And is there a, a, a price point on it right now? I know Amazon, it seems to change every day, but you know, typically what are you paying for Total EQ? It, I, I'm thinking it, today or the last time I looked, it was maybe thirteen ninety five something like that. All right, so uh, a uh, minuscule investment for all of the knowledge and uh, entertainment <laughs> you're going to be getting. We're talking with George Hensler from Who Are Those Guys? Where are you going to be competing at next, George? Well, our next contest for my team will be the uh, Maryland Barbecue Bash held in Bel Air, Maryland, which is actually my hometown contest coming up, uh, uh, I believe it's the first weekend in August. I have one of my sons is getting married uh, in August, and so um, that's kind of got me, uh, I've got some things to do with that, so I won't be be cooking a contest here in July, so my next one will be in August. All right, uh, we're talking with George Hensler, author of Totally Q., an insider's look at the crazy world of barbecue, pitmaster of who are those guys, WATGBBQ.com. George, always appreciate the time. Thanks for coming out tonight. Thank you, Greg. Thanks you for having me. You got it. There he is, George Hensley. Who are those guys? I don't know. You tell me. I know he got out right on time, and I appreciate that. George A. George A. Stephen Ranklin coming up next. You ever heard of him? All right, gang, let me talk to you quickly about Tasty Licks Barbecue Supply. For me, trusted online retailer, somebody that you can feel comfortable spending your money with, not getting screwed when you go to checkout. What's worse than paying for something and then, and only then, 
never getting your products. Nothing worse than that. Could be one of the worst things ever. Tasty Licks carrying Kamado Joe cookers, Metal Creek cookers, spices, sauces, accessories, many of these items in stock ready to ship to you. The Oak Ridge Brines and Rubs, the Plowboys Rubs and Sauces, Smoke on Wheel products. Of course, you know the Tasty Licks Barbecue, your big green egg headquarters, including many items for the egg that you can't get anywhere else. They're specially made for Fred, and these big green egg parts are in stock. You're not waiting around. Oh, no, you're going to get them soon. Also, Tasty Licks carrying the Harry Sue's Chicken Rub, which is the one that won Harry Sue eight GCs last year, as well as being Team of the Year in Chicken, even finishing at 145. I'm sorry, did I say 145? Uh It's fine. Go back to the archives. Listen. Now, maybe you're looking for the injections. Tasty Licks Barbecue carries all the heavy hitters, Butcher's Barbecue, Cosmos Q, every type of barbecue guru and their associated accessories. Tasty Licks is a green mountain grill pellet deal, Green Mountain Grill dealer. It's a pellet grill. That's what I meant to say. Uh, you see him right there, Green Mountain Grill. Spinning around on the bug, too. Fred teaches some great classes as well, but he's also flying in some of the top names on the competition circuit. Why, just recently he had Harry Sue at his house. And by house, I mean Shillington, Pennsylvania, brick and mortar store, Tasty Licks Barbecue. He's also had Dan Hickson and the boys up there from Three Eyes. And while I'm on competition, gang, Tasty Licks is your competition HQ. That's headquarters. All supplies for competition teams, pans in different sizes, loop, what? Aluminum trays. Gloves, thermometers, turn-in boxes for practice. Make this your one-stop shop. TastyLicksBBQ.com is the place to go. Head on over there right now. Plenty of stuff to choose from. Look at videos as well. Don't forget that Tasty Licks has their own lines of rubs and sauces. Got to try those. When you order, drop Fred a line that you heard him here on this show. Let him know you appreciate the sponsorship of this show. You are going to support him as well. It's a hand in glove. One hand washing the other. TastyLakesBBQ.com. That's TastyLakesBBQ.com. We're back with Stephen Reichlin. Right after this, stick around. We'll be right back. Get in the smoke. Call 877-448-0433 to get on the air. Now, here's your host, Greg Rampey. Big B, Moonshine Band, Suburban Let's go! I'm an outlaw. Give me two shots. We don't need a radio. Bring a jukebox. For my outlaws, bring me three shots. We can raise hell before the speed stops. I'm a whiskey drinking SOB. All right, we are back. 877-448-0433. You can also email Greg at thebbqcentralshow.com. Thanks again to George Hensler for joining me. Uh, my next guest tonight needs little introduction, if any, when it comes to this barbecue and grilling industry. He has penned a number of books covering the topic of barbecue and grilling over the years, including the one many consider to be the staple. Look, when we're talking about, uh, let me get my stuff up here. When we're talking about staples of, of things, you know, I don't, I don't really talk about like staples of things. But when we're talking about, you know, some of the most revered and passionate and well 
bought books. Think about it. When you when somebody says, uh, "What are the the books in your collection? What do you have?" Inevitably, one of Stephen's books are going to come out of your mouth. I'm going to say, "What top one, top two, top three? Uh, Smoke and Spice typically comes out, and we're talking about like the all time books, the barbecue books, the grilling books of all in the annals of everything that has ever been published ever." Peace, love, and barbecue. Mike Mills, uh, spice, and, is it smoke? Smi- spice and smoke, and uh, barbecue, uh, barbecue Bible. I mean, those are it, right? Does not everybody have at least one of those three, if not all of those three, in their uh, particular? Do people even have bookshelves anymore? In your uh, digital library? Come on, give me a break. Uh, Also, uh, for years, he's hosted uh, Barbecue U. Uh, You had originally found that show on PBS, and I think that was like a a four- or five-year run when uh, Barbecue U was on PBS. And then it went to Primal, was it Primal Grill, I think was his other... TV Venture. Is that one still on? Is Primal Grill still on? Uh, we're chasing Stephen Reichland, by the way. So, uh, very successful. You know, when we back all the way out to, you know, for drawing, it's always about me, right? When we go to how were you first introduced or when did you, I mean, you know, it was my dad first and foremost because, you know, what you're around uh, the guy that's cooking. But when I saw it on television, I really see a lot of grilling or barbecue shows on television until I found Stephen's show on PBS Barbecue U, I believe it was called. Not to be confused with Barbecue University, which is the class that he puts on, but Barbecue U was on PBS, I think it was like seven seasons or something like that. And then uh, the contract didn't get renewed or they just amicably parted ways and the Primal Grill showed up. And then he was like out in the pasture doing pasture stuff, cooking in pastures. Grills were on fire and smoking in the background. It was really more of a you know, a rustic. But, you know, back in Barbecue University, man, he had a huge fire thing going in the background. It was great. So let's go ahead and race over to the hotline. And uh, welcome back. Super friend of the show. One of my uh, favorite guys ever to talk barbecue and grilling with Stephen Reichland. Stephen, how are you, buddy? I am doing great. How are you? I'm doing absolutely fabulous, Stephen. I appreciate you asking. And, of course, always appreciate you making time for the show. Uh, where You are a world traveler, Stephen. Where are we finding you this evening? Well, I'm on Chappaquiddick Island in Martha's Vineyard, and uh, the cell phone reception is not so great here, and we have a little ferry we have to catch to get back home. So uh, so it was a split-second timing, but I made it. All right, perfectly, uh, perfectly, I might add. Chappaquiddick, I mean, there's a lot of history that goes back to that particular piece of water, and then, of course, uh, that's kind of centered around that novel that you wrote as well. Uh, boy, is it ever. Well, the novel is called Island Apart, which is what Chappaquiddick means in the Wampanoag Indian language. And uh, it, it, the story, there's a, uh, a foodie uh, recluse uh, named the Herman of Chappaquiddick who, uh, and a uh, New York book editor recovering from breast cancer. And they meet uh, through a shared love of food on this amazing island where you can drop, uh, drop off the grid and live off the land. And that's exactly what the Hermit does. All right, so a number of different topics to get into tonight, Stephen, and we'll kind of be jumping around a bit, so I apologize for that in advance, but let's get started. 
first topic, and I read a great article by one of my uh, regular contributors to the show, Derek Riches from bbq.about.com, about lighter fluid. And mm-hmm. there was this major push many years ago, and I guess over the last uh, 10 or 15 years, by people saying, hey, let's get out there in front of the public and say, let's not use lighter fluid, uh, somehow curb the selling of it. And as you look back over the span of its life, any and all uh, PSAs or discouragement from using it has really fallen on deaf ears. There's been a very minimal amount of people that have stopped using it. Why do you think that is? Is this the thing where Kingsford owns the charcoal, Kingsford owns the lighter fluid industry, and they're flexing muscle? Uh, Do people really just not know that there's a better, more safer way and less flavorful way to light their fires? What's your take on that? Well, first of all, let me say I'm sort of surprised to hear that statement, although I imagine it's true. But uh, I can't think of a single person that I know or that I've taught at Barbecue University or that I've interviewed for... Uh, my website, barbecuebible.com, that still uses lighter fluid. I mean, everyone I know uses a chimney starter to light charcoal. And I guess if I rack my memory, I'd say that, you know, where people maybe still use lighter fluid is uh, at at, uh, some of the competition barbecue festivals. And I, I, I guess the point I would make is that if you do indeed light your charcoal, you let it burn completely, you burn the lighter fluid off completely, you let the coals ash over, I suppose you burn away uh, most, if not all, of uh, any petroleum residue. But a chimney starter is so much, not only so much cleaner, but it's so much more effective in, right, in lighting coals. I mean, with lighter fluid, you never get an even light, but with... Uh, with a chimney starter, your coals light uniformly in 15 or 20 minutes. So I can't understand why anybody would use lighter fluid these days. Do you think – so the first question that jumps off my mind, because you're talking about people that you talk to or that you've interviewed or that you're having in classes that don't use it, do you know people that are pretty much better than novice griller or barbecue guy? Do you know people that are just, uh, you know, jamokes off the street that maybe do it four or five times a year and, and this is just kind of what they know? Are you, you're, I mean, you're kind of into the subculture, right? Yeah, well, I was going to say that's a, that's a very good question. And uh, in a sense, uh, I preach to the choir and in a sense, the people that come to Barbecue University, for example, uh, most are pretty enthusiastic. But we have a little exercise uh, at the beginning of every class and I call for... Uh, four volunteers to man our chimney starters. And I always call for people who have never used a chimney starter before. And the idea is I want to teach them immediately, quickly, to light the chimneys, to use chimneys to get in that culture. And damn, if in every class of 50 or 60 people, there aren't at least four people that have never used a chimney starter before. Stephen Reichland joining us here on the show, uh, website barbecuebible.com. If you want to uh, check out some things about Stephen while we're talking here on the show tonight. Are, are you a paraffin cube guy? Are you a Crisco oil on the paper towel guy? Are you side burner on your gas grill guy to get those lighted? What's your favorite way to get a uh, charcoal chimney going? Mm, uh, I would say I'm an ecumenical, ecumenical guy. Uh, I, I like the paraffin starters because uh, they don't blow out. Uh, I've been using fat wood lately. I mm. like that. Uh, one of the many grills I own is the, uh, is the Weber Performer, which has a, uh, a built-in little propane blowtorch canister for lighting the coals. So that is a good option. 
Uh, I will use newspaper when I have it. I guess newspaper is probably my the, my uh, my uh, igniter of last choice. In the interest of pyromania, have you ever gone to like Harbor Freight or one of those hardware stores and gotten one of those weed burners? Uh, foregone oh, the yeah. charcoal uh, chimney. I do. Uh, I have them. Uh, interesting. I don't use those for lighting coals. Uh, uh, but what I do use them for is like if I have a pineapple on the rotisserie uh, and it's been dredged in sugar and I really want to give it a hard candy shell and I don't want to wait for 20 minutes on the rotis, uh, I will take the weed burner to the pineapple and uh, and man, that, I mean that'll give you instant that'll give you caramelization in two minutes. Oh, absolutely. I will. Um, I will mention I was in Japan a few years ago and getting ready to go on a television show in Japan. And they use an extremely hard, slow-burning charcoal in Japan called binchotan. Once you get the stuff lit, it burns forever and it burns really hot. But, you know, I had left the usual 20 minutes that I budget for lighting American lump charcoal. And this stuff with a chimney, you know, probably would have taken an hour to light. So we did turn a blowtorch to that to kind of get it going. Was that a traditional, uh, like, wood-based carbon hardwood lump, or was it made out of, like, uh, coconut shells? No, it's a tree. It's uh, it's a natural lump charcoal, and traditionally they put whole small oak trees in caves, set them on fire, and then seal the mouth of the cave up with mud and bricks. And so the, uh, the wood is allowed to smolder in the cave, deprived of oxygen. Uh, and the stuff comes out. I mean, you bang two pieces together, and by the way, the piece that's on my desk right now costs $4 for one lump, just wow. to give you an idea of how expensive the stuff is. But you bang two pieces together, and it sounds like two pieces of metal clanking together. Stephen Reichlin joining us here on the show. All right, Stephen, so let me switch gears here just for a second. You know, we had the 4th of July this past week, uh, a lot of people getting together, parties, outdoor cookouts, of course. You know, People are always asking me to say, hey, when you get a, a really a guest that's on there, knows what he's talking about and is a grilling expert. How do you not get lost in your own party where you're the guy, you're hosting it, you want everybody to have a great time, but all of a sudden you're finding yourself running around to the grill and making sure everybody's fed, and you're not enjoying your own party. It's almost like that pitfall that people don't really budget for. How do you avoid that when you're during your own parties? Great question. So I do it... Uh, there are three things that I keep in mind. Number one, at any Reichland event, the entire meal is going to be cooked on the grill. Okay, that's appetizers, first course salads, breads, dessert. Okay, that's 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 the given you start with. Uh, the second piece of it is that I always turn the act of grilling into the evening's entertainment. I mean, I always start with the. Um, Start from the point of view that when you light a grill, people are going to gather around it. Okay, so that's going to become the focal point of your evening. So I make the actual act of cooking the meal on the grill the focal point of the entertainment and the evening. Well, what does that mean? That means that the minute somebody comes in, they gather around the grill, you're going to do your appetizers off the grill. And that might be grilled garlic bread, or it might be grilled oysters. Warren Martha's Vineyard now, we get these really amazing oysters from Katama Bay. Um, or uh, might be something just as simple as uh, prunes wrapped in uh, applewood smoked bacon, you know, just totally irresistible. But it gets cooked on the grill in front of people, served hot off the grill for people to eat. So that brings us to the third sort of principle, which is the orchestration of the whole meal. And here's how you do it. Number one, you start with a big hunk of protein, pork shoulder, brisket, racks of ribs, shoulder clod, prime rib. 
something that takes a long time to cook low and slow and that is very forgiving in its timing. So you can pull it off an hour, even two hours ahead of when people are going to come. Keep it warm. It will be perfect to eat. Okay? So that eliminates the whole split-second timing issue of, uh, of a barbecue. Then the second thing I do is I always grill up a, a giant platter of grilled vegetables. Uh, and it might include starches like uh, ember-roasted sweet potatoes, uh, or garlic roasted potatoes, but the reason for grilled vegetables, they taste great, the bright colors look great, and they're great served at room temperature. You don't have to serve a grilled vegetable hot. Okay, so already two of your courses of the meal have been taken care of before anybody's even pulled in your driveway. Now, the third course, the appetizers, I do do those on the grill while people are standing around, so that's your sort of performance art piece. Uh, and um, you know, don't be afraid to deputize, too, if you need somebody to give you a hand. I mean, I have many grills. I'm sure you have many grills, uh, Greg, and, you know, people love to get involved. Then the last piece of it is, uh, is serve your dessert on the grill. And that could be something like peach quarters grilled on cinnamon sticks. It could be something like uh, pineapple uh, dipped in, uh, in, in coconut milk and cinnamon sugar and then cooked over a screaming hot grill or spit roasted pineapple. Or I remember uh, we had a big, big, big uh, family holiday with about uh, 60 people uh, one year. And so we took a couple of uh, Kamado cookers and filled them with coals, and then we made homemade marshmallows early in the day and, uh, and homemade uh, graham crackers. And so we set up some more pits around the patio, around the pool, and people made their own s'mores, and that was a fantastic dessert. Uh, but I think you can see with a strategy like that, two of your four courses are done before anybody comes. The other two, you turn into sort of, you make them part of the party, and then it's really stress-free. Homemade marshmallows? Homemade marshmallows, All right. Yeah. How do you do uh, that? Well, you'll actually you'll find the recipe in a couple places uh, in my book, BBQ USA. Uh, I've, I've, I've got a recipe for it. Um, what you do is you beat egg whites to, uh, you make uh, a, a soft meringue uh, by beating egg whites stiff and then pouring in uh, sugar, sugar syrup cooked to the softball stage, uh, which basically when whipped together in a mixer gives you something that resembles marshmallow fluff. And then all you need to do is add softened gelatin to that mixture, let it cool in a uh, baking pan that's lined with powdered sugar and cut it into squares, and bingo, you've got marshmallows. Well, there you go. I had no idea it was that simple. We're talking with Stephen Reichlin. Uh, you can find his website, barbecuebible.com, B-A-R-B-E-C-U-E, barbecuebible.com, if you want to check that out while we're talking here tonight. Uh, Stephen, let me ask you something. Uh, I was kind of giving you a, a little heads up on some questions that I wanted to ask you about, and the yep. one thing I said was, you know, barbecue on TV, good or bad for the industry? And you wrote back to me, you know, I can only talk about the experiences of my TV shows because you don't watch TV otherwise. Do you really not watch uh, barbecue TV otherwise or any TV otherwise? I do not watch TV. Uh, I maybe uh, watch one hour or two hours of TV a year, uh, and that will be like when there's some hideous political disaster or a big political debate. But uh, I'm much more... I'm, I'm sort of a storytelling guy. I love stories. I mean, people buy my books for the recipes, but I write my books for the stories I get to tell about 
grill masters around the world about the history of barbecue, about the interface of barbecue and uh, and art and culture, and um, and so to the extent that we use our TV, and you're talking to a guy, by the way, that didn't own a TV until he was 37. <laughs> uh, I use it for uh, renting movies with Netflix, downloading uh, movies uh, through Apple TV. That being said, um, and so I've never, uh, you know, I know you're going to ask me about some of the barbecue competition shows and everything, and unfortunately I have never seen them. But I will say that when I made my shows, Barbecue University and uh, Primal Grill, I found that it was a very powerful medium for teaching uh, because... In essence, uh, I'm a teacher and a writer. Uh, there, believe me, there are guys that could could out outsmoke me ten, ten times to Sunday on a brisket uh, or ribs. But I think what I bring to the table is the uh, the ability to sort of explain how to do it, to to take a mass of information and figure out how to organize it and package it and explain it in a way that's easy for other people to understand. And there, I think television can be a very powerful tool. All right, so you're not a big TV guy, obviously. I mean, one or two hours a year, that's unfathomable yeah. to most of the people. And that's, the people in the instant chat are probably falling right over. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, yeah, you, yeah, I know. You're pretty active on social media outlets. So, you know, as someone who has really seen this technology revolution advance over the past 10 years, is this something that you're fully embracing? Is it just a means to an end for you? I mean, what's the take on that instant access to everything all the time? Uh, well, the social media, I went into it kicking and screaming, and, you know, I was told it was sort of important to, important to reach fans and keep fans and, and build, you know, build a base of followers. But I have to say it's become a really amazing resource. And first of all, with, uh, with Facebook, I find the process addictive. Uh, I don't know if you've ever been up on my Facebook page. It's Stephen Reichland, oh. Arthur, author. Yep. But I post a different photograph. Uh, every day, and I've done that for the last three years. I have a huge bank of photos. And uh, the photo most often is a photograph of a dish I have eaten or that I've traveled somewhere to see or that I've created at Barbecue University or I've created at my backyard. And I have learned uh, what, what drives people crazy. It's a big hunk of meat like a shoulder clod or a smoker full of briskets. You know, I get a zillion likes. Uh, and one thing I've tried to do, my daughter's a dietitian, so uh, we try in my family to practice Meatless Monday. And I know that's, you know, your listeners are about ready to grab their crosses and their holy water and, you know, uh, hammer to drive a stake through my heart. Uh, but, in fact, on much of Planet Barbecue, uh, places like India and Japan, there's extraordinary grilling that's done without meat. And so in a, in a stealth way, every Monday you will find uh, a photo on my Facebook page that is not me. It might be grilled asparagus rafts. Uh, yesterday I did a vegan quote-unquote bacon made with smoked coconut that I discovered out in Santa Monica. Uh, the likes fall off. It's like they fell off the cliff. Uh, I know it, but I feel like, you know, maybe if I can just bring one more person along to realize there's more to barbecue than meat, uh, then I have done a good thing. Uh, I've also started using Twitter and Facebook uh, as, a, as a research resource. Hey, I'm going to be in Portland, Oregon this weekend. Where should I go? Uh, and I mean, it's a, you know, I'm going to be in Buenos Aires or I'm going to be in Hong Kong. And 
you tap in, you know, in the old days, I used to have to go through, uh, uh, find the local restaurant critic and go through, uh, you know, tourism boards. And now you just directly tap into a community of people who are interested and passionate. And that really excites me. Stephen Reichlin joining us here on the show. Stephen, let me ask you one quick question here before I let you go, and I appreciate the time you've given us tonight. You know, I get a lot of questions each week asking me about side dishes. You kind of referred to them a little bit ago at the top of our interview. Yeah. You know, typically I follow that question up with a question of my own, which is, you know, where are you living? Uh, what's in season in your part of the country? What advice do you give folks for side dish ideas when they're asking you? Boy, you know, I am so glad that you asked that question uh, because I think, Historically, our field, you know, barbecue, I, I don't know if you've read the new book uh, called Cooked by Michael Pollan, the food activist. No. Uh, but it is a brilliant book on, uh, on quarter, sort of the meaning of cooking. And one point that he makes is that we have this incredible barbecue culture in the South, but in fact, most of the pork being cooked uh, comes from really awful factories, and it comes from breeds that are raised, you know, to give you meat quickly and cheaply and not for flavor. So it's sort of the dark side. And I would extend that to, you know, grilling vegetables, uh, seasonality. And I think sort of probably for the first time in a very long time in the world of American barbecue, the farmer's market has come back into American barbecue, and people are aware of grilling what's in season, what's grilled uh, locally. So what's going on in my world right now? Uh, we're getting the last of the spring asparagus. We're getting the first of uh, the summer corn. Uh, we've got amazing kale in uh, Martha's Vineyard, which I like to brush with sesame oil, sprinkle with a little uh, soy sauce and sesame seeds and flash, flash toast on the grill. Uh, as we move into late summer, I'll be grilling more, veg- uh, more tomatoes, more corn, more zucchini, then we start to get the first of the fall squashes, which are amazing. Cook what I call caveman style, you know, where you just lay them right in the embers right. uh, of the grill. Uh, but, you know, there is no better way to bring out the flavor, no better way to enjoy a vegetable than if you buy it at peak season, locally grown. And no better way to cook it than on the grill. Corn is coming into season here very quickly. What's the best way or the most tasty way that you found to do corn on the grill or, you know, however you're going to do it? All right. Well, first of all, naked. Okay. That's, uh, that for me is uh, in, in, uh, indisputable. That is you want to strip the, the husk back off the corn. You want to grill the corn without the husk or the silk on it. Why? Because when you expose the kernels to the high-dry heat of the grill, you caramelize the natural sugars in the kernels and you get this incredible sweet, smoky caramel flavor. If you, you know, I know a lot of recipes call for you to soak the corn and then grill it in the husk. And in effect, what you're doing is steaming the corn, right. uh, which isn't really much better than boiling. Uh, you're not getting any of those nuances of caramel flavor. Now, the only exception to that rule is uh, you can also caveman grill uh, any of corn. And in that case, you lay it husk, silk, and all right on the embers of a charcoal fire. And you roast, and in effect, you burn the husk off, and you pull it off just before the kernels start to burn. And that's, that's another really amazing way to uh, grill corn. 
In fact, we're going to do we're going to do a whole series of blogs on grilled corn on barbecuebible.com because we North Americans we're not the only ones to to have tapped into this. I mean, you find amazing grilled corn in Mexico where it's slathered with mayonnaise and dredged in uh, grated cheese. Oh. Uh, you find grilled corn in Japan where it's brushed with soy butter. Uh, in Colombia, where it's it's buttered and then uh, dipped in grating cheese. I mean, I, I'd say grilled corn is really one of the constants on the world's barbecue trail. Absolutely. Uh, we are talking with Stephen Reichland. On the web, you find him at barbecuebible.com. On the Twitter, at S. Reichland. And on Facebook, slash Stephen Reichland. Stephen, always. I mean, I could literally Stephen talk to Reichland, you. Stephen Reichland, author, actually. Author, uh, correct. When the when the author comes up, that's the one you want. Uh, I yeah. could probably talk to you for five, six hours about this stuff. And uh, you know, I'm thinking the same thing. We'll have to get <laughs> do it again soon. It's uh, you asked some really interesting questions. It, it would always be my pleasure. Uh, thanks for doing it tonight. I appreciate it. Great, grill on. There he is, Stephen Reichland, ladies and gentlemen. BarbecueBible.com. And uh, Stephen Reichland has comes up author. I know which one it is. You probably, I mean, is everybody not liked his page yet? Is that possible? Now, the majesty is, how am I going to do this before the top of the hour hits? Quickly, look, gang, Butcher's Barbecue is what I use to really elevate where I'm at these days. You know... The best brisket I have made in recent memory, and I've made like five, was one I made on this past Memorial Day. I talked to Dave. I said, Dave, you know, what am I going to do to help me from dry brisket? It's like, I got you covered. Uh, I went ahead. I got that uh, beef injection. Of course, they have the pork and that prime injection. Man, that stuff put me over the top. It gave me a window of moistness and succulence and beef flavor that wasn't fake. And... From all accounts, it look, I don't have, believe me, you know, you got a family around, you got friends around, it's free, they're going to kiss your ass, they're going to tell you it's great. You have family around, they're going to tell you if it sucks, when it sucks. Nobody said anything about it sucking, and they only said things about how great and succulent it was. If you're using the term succulent in my house, it's a good thing, on many different levels. So, you know you can go ahead and get great rubs at Butcher's as well. You have the steak and brisket rub, the honey rub. You have a premium rub, especially if you're going to inject with butchers. It's formulated to work with that injection. A one-two punch to impress judges and friends alike. And, of course, they have that sweet barbecue sauce. Uh, my favorite, hands down my favorite sauce that I will actually lay out cash for. Took the effort to make a quality sauce. Didn't take the easy way out. No, no. No easy way outs here, folks. So do yourself a favor. Buy Dave's product. And look, maybe you got hung up on one of those bad injections somewhere else. Your scores started to tumble, and you're like, what am I going to do now? I don't know. Maybe you could go to ButcherBBQ.com, hit the trade-in link, send Dave the remaining crappy commercial injection that you have, and he'll send you back the beef, the pork, or the prime injection. He'll weigh it. All weigh-ins are final. And then he'll send you back his stuff, making his customers happy, making his customers' customers happy. Doesn't get any better than that. And the bird boost. Want to start injecting chicken? You want it to retain uh, seven times more moisture in your meat than from traditional brining? Bird boost is your way to do it. ButcherBBQ.com. That's ButcherBBQ.com. We are top of the hour. Let me see here. i got to do one thing. We're just not going to have this. We're just going to go right into the top of the hour. 
Uh, you are listening to the Barbecue Central Show right here on the Barbecue Central. Radio Networks. From my heart and from my hand, why don't people understand my intention? Happy to have you aboard here for the really big barbecue show. We cook because we have to, and we grill because we want to. Fine, how's it going? <laughs> you have a great show, I'm a big fan. So what 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 seems to be the problem here? This man looks like he's dead and he's in the in the crackle. Charbono! It's all about the Charbono, dude! Succulent fish, what? He ate 54 wieners. Oh, listen, Laverne, you have to shake face. I'm shaking like a dog shit peach seeds. <laughs> we have top men working right now. Ooh, top men. All right, just like that, we are in the second hour. Boom. All right, I'm trying to get caught up in the chat room here. The question of the night is, when will Greg comment on the Burger King barbecue rib Sammy and their own barbecue menu items? Well, I can answer that question for you right now. It's not going to happen. Uh, the only time I'm going to do that is... When uh, Burger King decides to endorse me for $2.3 million as their barbecue spokesperson. And then guess what, folks? I'm selling out. This is the best processed, pressed beef, meat, rib sandwich ever on the face of the earth. Nobody got time for Forget it. It's of my fervent belief. That for as much as I hate the McRib, and I've seen this, what is it called? The uh, King Barbecue Rib Sammy. I don't think it's called Sammy. It can't be any better. It's not any different. It's got to be from almost the same supplier. They probably just portion out the meat a little bit different. Who are you kidding? All right, thanks to George Hensler and Stephen Dude. How awesome was Stephen Reichlin on this show just about five seconds ago? Look, far be it for me to be listening to a guest, but I believe that he said that he could talk to me for six hours. We need to do it again soon. How is the show on the radio? How are we not syndicated centralites? How are we not syndicated across this great nation of ours spreading centralitism and any otherism for that matter? On a weekly basis, two or three hour unit, I can do another hour in my head. You kidding me? All right, uh, did I close out the, oh man, I hate when I close out the wrong thing. So I uh, would love your feedback on Stephen Reichlin and what you thought of him. And I really had quite a number of things to get to that I didn't get to. Like, what are you eating right now? What are your favorite places to go out to? What do you drink? Stuff like that. Stuff that people want to hear about. Things are good. My follow-up questions to date are even better. All right, still to come tonight on the show in about 11 minutes from now, Sam the Cooking Guy, Sam Zion, joins us. And helping me close out the show, Lene Oxley. 
Sugar's Barbecue just won this most recent Sunday's version of Barbecue Pitmasters, the, the local, I call them the local qualifiers. On the show next week, the number one profit of smoked meat making his return to the Barbecue Central Jungle, Daniel Vaughn will join. Scott Roberts will be back with some new sauce and rub reviews. Also, Patrick Martin from Martin's Barbecue Joint will be dropping by as well. Jam Pack Show. The Sam's Club Series, maybe you've heard about it. It's on for about six months now. Rolled into Madison, Wisconsin this past weekend. This feeds into the Rockford, Illinois Regional that will take place in less than a month's time. August 3rd, the top six teams moving on to the regional final in Rockford are in particular order taking grand at 670.885. So we'll run up to 670.9. The Smoke Hunters. Boom. Grand champion. Coming up on that RGC at a 669. So less than a point off the pace. A friend of the show. He won the Great Lenexa Barbecue Battle last year. Doug Caston. Smokers Purgatory getting the RGC. About third place coming in. Ooh, big gap from uh, second to uh, first and second to third. He's a quality pitmaster. Guy you got to watch. Ryan Newstrom, Big T's Q Crew, 662.3. Bring in the Heat was fourth. Ma and Pa's Kettle, fifth. And Buffalo's Barbecue, sixth. Now, you might be asking yourself, who's Buffalo's Barbecue? Well, I'm damn glad you asked because I'm going to go right into my photos. I'm going to go right to where I was host of the Buffalo Run, uh, Smoking at the Run. I'm going to show you who this, uh, who this guy is. Oh, crap. i got to throw it up on my other screen here. Uh, I affectionately refer to this guy as the guy who evidently hates being on television. Uh, always and forever. Where is it? Well, come on. Boom. Why isn't it capturing that? Son of a gun. Hold on. Uh, we'll go out. This guy. Oh, now it's not there. Son of a bitch. All right. Are you kidding me? Buffalo's Barbecue is a guy known in barbecue realms, I might add, who does not like to smile, well, pretty much ever. When he is out, get and now I don't know if this is like a shtick or you know whatever it is. Let me see if I'll uh, get it here. Hit the screen capture. No, all right, fine enough. This guy doesn't smile no matter what. He does. I wish I had a picture up. He looks like this. You just won. Uh, you just won this barbecue company. Would you like to say? That's what he does. David Qualls was mimicking him. It was awesome. Uh, so Buffalo's Barbecue does round out the top six for this past week's Sam's Club Regional. And again, that is feeding into the Rockford, Illinois. Now, if you will recall, I did make a prediction that the Rocks, the Roxford, the Rockford, Illinois Regional will produce the winner of the Sam's Club. So, you know, take it for what it's worth, I guess. I want to show you this. This is not going to work either, right? All right. Let me uh, let me add this. All right. Uh, let me add a screen region. 
green region. Boom. And we'll go... Ugh. Really? Such a pain in the butt. Okay, we'll go full screen. Here. Uh, do you know Adam Perry Lang? Adam Perry Lang... Uh, Basically turning the uh, steak cooking world on its ear. Now, look, there's a very good chance that everyone else has seen this or heard this before now. Uh, but this was the first time I heard about it when friend of the show, John Dawson, passed it along my way last Wednesday. So you know how cooking a steak on the grill, um, it will tell you when it's ready to flip over, right? Not according to Adam Perry Link. Grab it. If it rips, all the better. The tears, the micro tears, adds more surface area. And uh, this will b- give you a better crust, more browning space. Who else knows about this? News to you, it was to me. And I'm going to play it for you right now so you can enjoy it. I'm a chef, restaurateur, and author. Check it out. Most recently of Chard and Scruff. And today we're going to cook rib roast cooked like a steak. All right. Hold on. Such a pain in the ass. came to me one day looking at my butchers pounding out veal scallopini and I'm looking at these beautiful, practically prime grade rib roasts. And I was just in this mood. I said, you know, what happens if you just pound that roast into a steak? Like really, like get it huge and just make it dense. And Look at that bat um, in his hand, They all looked at me like I was crazy. Foreshadowing. So when I take this roast, it it could be a three or four bone, but I make it into a, uh, a two bone. And I split the bone and, and I, I pry it open bone. so that you get more surface area. So it's more like you're not like just gnawing on roast beef. That's yeah. a pretty thick piece of meat. Hit it. Get after it. And then it. we just start oh. to work oh. on it. Oh, oh, oh. You have to be fairly aggressive when seasoning meat. It's a lot of people talk about don't. I'm, gonna, I'm going right to the this grill. momentum and it's kind of carrying in through the steak. I want it to carry through fair, fairly evenly. So if it's thick enough, by cooking on one side, just when it starts building momentum, I flip it. That whole misnomer of just leave it on and don't touch it comes from grills that really don't have firepower. First of all, it tempers through the meat. And what I mean by that, it's, it's just going to evenly cook pink to pink straight through. And then it also, we're developing layers on the crust. Scruffing's a, a mistake that's gone right. Everybody talks about, oh, you know, oh, don't let it stick. See? See? If it sticks, that's good. If it doesn't, well, then you can scruff it by cutting little micro scores into the surface. But either way, you're increasing surface area and you're kind of roughing it up so it's a heightened amount of this Maillard or this browning that occurs, which is really a fantastic flavor. By creating the height, the steak will drip and the drippings will go into the fire and then almost just tickle the meat as opposed to engulfing it, oh. which sometimes is good and really char- you know, charring it. So you, you get the perfect... All right, look, so we're out of time. He talks about flavor bombs and all this other stuff, but uh, he refers to it as scruffing the meat. I'm not familiar with scruffing the meat. I'm almost excited to go out and try a steak where I go out and, you know, just pull it up, whether it's ready to go or not, so I can make micro tears or, or do my own micro tears for that matter. Who knows? I'm still working on Adam Perry Lane to get on the show, by the way. Uh, let me talk to you for uh, just a few seconds about uh, the Barbecue Guru, longest-running sponsor of the show, uh, located in Warminster, Pennsylvania. 
gang, uh, this is the company that started all of the automatic temperature control device stuff, right? Of course. Now, maybe you're not familiar with how these little beauties work. Uh, I'm not going to get into the minute details here, but imagine a product that allows you to set your pit temperature, and once set, it keeps it running at that set temperature all the way through the cook. Sound too good to be true? It's not. It's real life. You can take advantage of this technology today. Now, maybe you're a busy working professional like me, or perhaps you're constantly on the run with kids doing errands, and quite frankly, you just don't have the time to set around and tend pit temperatures. Barbecue Guru always or allows you to throw on a pork butt, a brisket, a couple slabs of ribs, all this great stuff. You can do whatever you want. Guru maintains that pit temperature you set it at. Uh, there's currently four different models to choose from. You have the CyberQ Wi-Fi, you have the uh, CyberQ DX2, the Party Q, and the DigiQ DX as well. Uh, the Party Q being the uh, easiest point of entry in. $129 for most cookers. $10 more for ceramic styles because you need that extra uh, flange that mounts to it. But it runs on AA batteries. I've said it before, I've said it again. It is the core of automatic temperature control devices you can take from this cooker to this cooker to this cooker to this cooker, boom, and it uh, seamlessly adapts and keeps your pit temperatures as you see fit. Now, maybe you're in the market for a cooker. Onyx Oven is your best bet. Cooks for uh, full and half pans, fully insulated, accommodates a huge amount of meat, and you know, since it's made by the Barbecue Guru, it is going to get a seamless work with all of the Barbecue Guru temperature control devices. Do yourself a favor. Head on over to the Barbecue Guru, thebbqguru.com. Check out all their products. If you have any questions about what to order, call them directly, 800-288-GURU. That's 800-288-GURU. Or give them a call. They'll make sure you're outfitted with exactly what you need to get you up and running right out of the box. 800-288-GURU or thebbqguru.com. Barbecue Guru, a breakthrough in barbecue technology. All right, we're back with the Sam Cooking Guy right after this. Stick around. I'll be right back. Live from the Barbecue Central Radio Network Studios in Cleveland, Ohio. You're listening to the Barbecue Central Radio Show. Once again, here's your host, Greg Rampey. All right, we are back, 877-448-0433. You can also email the show, greg at thebbqcentralshow.com. My next guest appears on his show, fair, uh, on this show fairly regularly. He has his own video podcast, which airs new episodes Monday, Wednesdays, Fridays. He is a multiple-time author. He has a new weekly radio show that airs each Sunday at 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 p.m. Pacific, on 760 KFMB called Eat This should have been eat meat. And on top of all of that, he has a baker's dozens of Emmys in his closet. Go ahead and race over to the hotline. Welcome back, friend of the show, Sam Zion, joining us here. Sam, how are you, buddy? 
What's up, my friend? How are you? I'm doing absolutely fabulous, Sam. I appreciate you making time for the show tonight. Oh, are you kidding? Man, you got the the microphone going. You sound like a million dollars. I got, I got, you know what? I just want to match the technology that you have going on right there. <laughs> That's all I care about. Well, uh, I think we're, we're achieving that at a rapid rate. So uh, a number of things that we can get into tonight during our segment tonight, Sam. Um, yep. I don't, I don't know if we should start with this because I'm sure you have some thoughts about it. But look, it's been a really hot topic over the last couple of weeks. I know you addressed it a little bit on the radio show. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about Paula Dean right out at the top. Look, bring it. Okay, I'm she good. she caught a lot of flack for how she revealed her type two diabetes affliction earlier in the year. Basically, <laughs> you know, waiting until she had a deal signed with a drug company that makes medicine for this disease, and then letting everyone know. Like many, you didn't agree with that process. Fast forward a few months, now she's out of a job. All the big sponsors have dropped her. She has really taken quite an expedient fall from grace. After the remarks she made in a deposition setting, giving testimony on a sexual harassment lawsuit, which included the N word, uh, you recently uh, right. you're, you're not afraid to take a stance on topic, Sam, which is why I want no. to ask you about this. So, you know, do you think that this punishment is too harsh for this proverbial crime? All things considered, all things considered, if if what she says is true, that she only uttered the N word thirty years ago. Given the fact that she's 67, given the fact that she's from the South, given the fact that she's from really like another era, yeah, I think it's too harsh. I can see it. I'm not condoning it. Please don't, please don't misunderstand me. I, I don't like the word. And I'm Jewish, so, you know, sticks and stones. I could easily come up with, you know, words that have been used against my people, and I'm not comfortable with those either. But given her situation, given where she lived, given you know where she's from, I, I can see. For God's sakes, her brother's name is Bubba. <laughs> that word is that word is going to come out. You know, it's going to come out. Again, I'm not condoning it. My problem with her is a couple of things. One, the diabetes thing. I felt she had a moral responsibility, a moral obligation to her fans, her viewers, her. Millions of people that loved her, bought her stuff. I felt she needed to come out when she was first diagnosed with diabetes and say, hey, look, I've got diabetes. And, and maybe it was from the way that I eat. Maybe it's from my style, whatever. Just know, y'all, you can't, you can't live that lifestyle every single day. So dial it back a bit, right? She has a new cookbook out. Like her recipes revisited in a healthier way that seems a bit of a mea culpa-ish kind of move, you know, like she felt like she had to do it. So that, that annoyed me. Uh, but really, you know, when it first came down, she never actually said sorry. She came out and said, I, I, want, your, I want your forgiveness. But how about in a sorry? That's not the same thing. I had this argument with my son, Max. He goes, well, that's saying sorry. I go, no, no, no. Saying sorry is I'm saying sorry. Right. Forget about the whole forgiveness thing, man. That's a separate issue. Leave that for a month down the road. Just try and get over the mistake. Now, you know, part of me says she might have been being honest in that, in that interview, in that deposition, and so let it happen. But really the thing that pissed me off was the whole diabetes thing and then the way she handled this. And then the, it just like, you know, she got on the Today Show and it was awful. The tears, the, the, to me, the insincerity. She, she was like, please, I beg your forgiveness. 
and I don't feel like she was looking at, you know, Susie Homemaker. I felt like she was looking at at, at <laughs> the sponsors, yeah. right? At Smithfield Foods, at QVC, at Home Depot when she said, I beg your forgiveness. I get all worked up over it. It's, uh, you know what? If you're fortunate enough to be in the media, to be in the limelight, to do this kind of thing for a living, which is not driving a school bus every day, which is not sweeping floors every day, which is not adding giant columns of numbers every day, if you're fortunate enough to be in this, you've got to do it the right way. And you know what? People say, oh, well, the, you know, she had shitty hand- Sorry, can I swear? Yeah, yes. of course. She, she had shitty handlers. Well, you know what? Forget the handlers. How about your own, your own feelings inside about what's right and what's wrong? That's the thing that kills me. Don't blame it on anybody else. Blame it on her for the beginning. Blame it on her for the, what came out of her mouth. Now I'm all worked up. Does she, get, does she get any points? Look, she could have been in that deposition. They could have said, hey, did you ever use the N-word? She could have said no. Did, right. are, is there any points for honesty at that point to say, hey, you know, I could have sidestepped that question. I said, yeah, you know what? The guy came in. He was robbing me at a yes, bank, and ab- I said absolutely, that. Absolutely. absolutely. I, I believe she gets some points for that. But, but you still can't the, use it. You still time, can't say it. At the same time, you can't use it, so no. Oh. So, yes, she gets points for that. At, at no time, you know, did she say, but, but look, look at, I mean, I said this on, on, on my radio show the other day. I'm fi- so I'm 53 years old. I'll be 54 in August. I grew up in Vancouver, Canada. When I was 12, 13 years old, so let's call it 40 years ago, right? Yep. yep. You would go into a store at Christmas time, and you know those little oranges that peel super easy, the Satsumas, right? Yep. You'd go into a store 40 years ago, and if you didn't see any on the shelf, you wouldn't ask for a Satsuma. In Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada 40 years ago, you'd ask the clerk if he had any Jap oranges. It's not a term I would use today. I would never say the guy's a Jap. Right. Because it just sounds bad. But I said it. And if you asked me in a deposition if I said it, I'd say, yes, I said it. But it was then. And I don't say that now. And it's not a good word. And it's terrible. And if I offended people, I feel terrible about that. And I'm sorry. I wouldn't start by saying, I beg your, for- I beg your forgiveness. <laughs> the southern accent is top notch, Sam. I got to be honest. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, you know what? I got a complaint. The first time I did Paula Dean on the radio show, a woman called in after, just as it ended, to c- complain to the board operator that I was being hypocritical. And he said, hypocritical, ma'am, about what? And the woman said, well, he's complaining about Paula Dean using the N-word, and he's using that African-American accent. And he goes, okay, well, he's actually using a southern accent. It may not be a great one, but it's a southern accent. <laughs> well, uh, I mean, I-, I knew exactly who you were talking about, but I guess, you know, uh, yeah, what's in my you. ear, what's thank in somebody else. Sam Zion joining us here on the show. You know him Sam, the Cooking Guy. Websites to check out while we're talking, thecookingguy.com the Sam livecast.com and then you can get his uh, replays if you don't get them live 760kfmb.com and look for the show eat this Sam in the ultimate looking at this and with Paula Dean and the fall from grace Nelson, you think she's going to be back and better than ever somewhere and how soon I mean is she, is she a Kobe Bryant is she a Tiger Woods I don't know this is you know those were Kobe and Tiger were 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 incidents against a 
particular person. Kobe Cry- like crimes, fooled right? around on his wife. Tiger against his wife. Uh, you use the N-word. The N-word is, you know, wh- however you feel about it. And I feel like the word should just go away. Yeah. I find it difficult that African-Americans use it and, and we can't. It's not that I want to, but when I hear them use it, I'm like, I, I wouldn't use the word kike to refer to other Jews because yeah. I don't think it's a good word. So I feel the same way when it comes to that or any or or any, you know, Polak to refer to Polish people. I, I wouldn't use these words and I don't think that Poles would use those words to refer to themselves. Okay. Call me a Jew, that's fine. Sam is a Jew. That's a correct statement. But Sam's a kike. No, I yeah. wouldn't want that word used. I wouldn't use it. I wouldn't want friends using it. So she's in a sticky area, man. She really is. Whether she'll be back or not. I guess it really depends. She fired her man. Well, presumably she fired her manager. That's the she separated from her manager. Is that what happened, or did her manager separate from her and allowed her to say that she's the one that pulled away? She has been uh, very vocal in saying that her manager made her, got her show on the Food Network, helped her become ridiculously successful. So I, you know, you never know what goes on now. You never know who's talking, who's saying the right thing. I think she's got a very long way back if she comes back at all. And I guess if I was a betting man, Greg, I, uh, I would say, um, I would say no, but, but who knows? We've been, we've been surprised before. Haven't we? When oh, people have shown up again, no doubt about it. We're talking with Sam Zion here on the show. All right, Sam. So on your live cast and we're switching gears, yep. I apologize for the uh, terrible segue, but uh, on this live cast that you have, you get into the, like themes quite a bit, from what I've noticed. Yes. And uh, yes. last week, not this, uh, you know, because the current week just started Monday, but last week right. you had a week of spam, spam. All three shows, spam. How do you land on spam? Did you just find it in yeah. the aisle and you're like, "That's a good week"? No. Here's here's the deal. I've had <laughs> spam. I've had a, jar, a can of spam in my cupboard for a while, and you know, I'm at the store a lot, and I buy things that I want to use, and I, spam is always, you know. I've liked it. I thought it was okay, but I always thought it would be interesting to do somewhere in some part of you know the media stuff that I do. And I'm looking for uh, you know a few weeks back for a new topic and thinking. And I literally open up my cupboard, my pantry, and I'm standing there staring, going, "What could I do it like a show on cumin, spices, pasta sauce, things to do with that?" I think themes are helpful and it helps us market the show, and it's a fun way to sort of pull it off. And there was a can of spam, and I went, oh, shit, let's just do spam week. So I tell Kelly, Mrs. Cooking Guy, my wife of 28 years, <laughs> spam week, her reaction is this. That's just stupid. <laughs> I go, stupid? She goes, nobody's going to want, nobody's going to care about that. I got to be honest with you, man. I think spam week has been one of our most popular weeks. People freaking loved it loved it could spam be it's like one of the most like uh misunderstood well i don't want to say misunderstood cheapest, but they, they call ghetto. it uh what do they call that uh the uh the uh when you watch when you watch desperate housewives oh uh, could it be one like one of the most guilty pleasures that people don't want to tell you about but they eat it more perhaps. than you think could it be perhaps i've never yeah, yeah, had it. it definitely could be and i'll tell you something spam out of the can by itself, yeah, it's not worth much. Gross. But the but the second that you slice it, and then you do something with it. So we did 
we we did um what the hell did we do we did teriyaki spam sliders right amazing i wish i had the picture to show you i, I can't show you i guess i could but i don't really know how to do that right now well amazing the they one, were so good the one that got me was the one right off the bat it was spam and rice baked eggs oh and, and <laughs> And I'm not saying that it was good because you use the barbecue baby back rib flavored rice. I mean, come on, are you kidding me? That was so. So just know that here's the recipe. You, you make some kind of rice. It could be anything. It could be white rice. It could be Mexican rice. It could be Spanish rice. It could be Greek rice. I don't know what that would be. And you put it in like a like this like a like an egg like a little ramekin type type thing, right? Fill it up with rice, and then you, you push down an indentation, like a big spoon would do it, like a ladle. Push the ladle down so there's like an indent in it, right? Crack an egg in that, put it in like a 400-degree oven for about 20 minutes. The white hardens, the yolk stays runny. Then you've got this runny yolk that you cut into the rice. It's delicious. So I go to the store. Here's my thinking is this. I'm going to cut up the spam into little bits and stir fry it a bit. To get it crispy, render out some of the fat. Yep. Mix that in with a rice and then do the egg thing to it. So I'm at the store looking for rice, and there's all those packaged rices, right? I'm not like growing rice in my backyard and then going to uh, <laughs> harvest it. I'm going to buy a packaged rice. It's the easy thing to do. Yeah. And so I'm looking for rice. I see Mexican rice, yes. And then I see like new barbecue rice. I've never even seen that before. I'll be honest. It was actually really good. Really? And it worked with Spam because Spam fits into that whole, like, Pacific Islander kind of thinking, you know? Like, it's very popular in Hawaii. So to put it with, like, a barbecue-ish kind of rice thing was genius. It was great. And then we made these teriyaki Spam sliders. So good you would not have believed you were eating Spam. And then the, the final day, we did Spam balls. We mixed Spam with chipotle mashed potatoes and some uh, um, uh, like seasoning and then rolled them into little balls, dipped them in beaten egg, put them in, in breadcrumbs, and then baked them in the oven. Wow. Like a little one-biter Spam mashed potato crispy on the outside appetizers that were stupid. The whole week this, looked really good. I got to be honest. I mean, next, you know, next week, yeah, next week, dill pickle week. Really? Yeah. Thank you. So finally, finally you, please said. tell me you're going to be deep frying pickles. Those are the best things on earth. Deep fried pickles. I know, but you know what? I oh. I don't like the deep fry. I save that stuff for the fair. You don't like deep fry, yeah, but your best friend is Chicken Charlie, right? Come on. Yes. Are you kidding? Chicken Charlie. <laughs> I let him do the deep frying. I don't like to deep fry. Really. <laughs> Wait, can I just talk about you for a second? Me? Yeah. Yeah, go ahead. So Sunday I had 35 people here for dinner. Yeah. I, I told myself I wanted, to, I wanted to smoke a couple briskets that I had done only twice before. One time, complete success. One time, a complete disaster. I make this decision four or five days before. The day before, which is last Saturday, I start having... Smoke brisket anxiety. Yeah. I'm going through everything on the internet, back and forth. What can I do? I need the tips. Help me out. And then finally, I had this, this moment of clarity, and I went, dude, what are you doing? 
go to the guy that knows everything about the barbecue <laughs> and smoke. Go to the master. Go to Greg Rempe. How, does, how fortunate am I? How did that work out? That I can pick up the phone and call you and tell you about my problem. And not you're like a therapist. You were like a barbecue therapist. You were calm. You were collected. You gave me a series of steps to go through. And, and then when I didn't eat, read the email fully, I called you freaking out. And you said, did you read the email? And I go, not really. And you took the time to go over the steps again. <laughs> and then I called back. We talked four times over those two days, I think. Yeah. I mean, uh, look, the, the one thing that I have found to be the, the strain of consistency throughout the industry is that uh, barbecue people are uh, great people to drink with, have fun with, joke around with, but when it comes right down to bare knuckles, if you're in a pinch and you can call on, you know, my experience that I'm passing on to you is coming, literally use the term on the show, top men in the industry. Oh, no, I believe it. I have guys that are winning each and every week that are giving me their brisket recipes, and I write it down, and I'm like, hey, I can pass this knowledge on to anybody that's going to, and luckily, you were able to give me that phone call, and look, I have been in the exact position that you have been in. Brisket is very tough. It, it's Like I yeah. told you, it's almost like the uh, the Thanksgiving turkey. Yeah. But once you get it down, you, you keep got that it. secret for yourself, and now you're looking like a star. I, I, and now I've got it. Let's, let me tell you, it was not, it, not just fantastic for me. People could not stop talking about it. And we made, we made, we've now made brisket omelets. Ooh. And maybe the best thing ever, a brisket grilled cheese, if you haven't oh. made that. But the key to a brisket grilled cheese, just let me tell you for your listeners, yep. the brisket doesn't go in between the layers of bread and cheese cold. Put it, throw, throw the slices of it in a nonstick pan that's already heated first. Render out some of the fat. Let some of the white fat melt. Let it heat up. Let it get a bit crispy. Mm. Then put it in. Then close it up. Then grill it like a grilled cheese. Sounds phenomenal. And if you're really smart, you'll use a little bit of butter that you've melted with a little bit of chopped up garlic in it. Brush the outside with garlic butter. Then grill the damn thing. You will be a king at your home. It sounds phenomenal. It is. It, It was phenomenal. But I thank you. For being there for me for the advice. Yeah, I mean, and by a, the way, the the Texas Crutch. Yeah, please, key. it's please. key. Key. That's everything. Absolutely, it's key. If people are listening, they haven't they haven't made that move yet. Not only does it sound cool to say you've done that, yeah. but it just it works. I poured a bottle of Newcastle in into the pan Ooh, before I sealed it up. Nutty. That, that was my thing. Really delicious. Absolutely. Yeah. We're uh, talking yeah. with Sam Zion. You know him as Sam the Cooking Guy. Uh, you can find him a number of different places, thesamlivecast.com. He's also hosting Eat This, which I guess we'll have to get into next time we talk. Uh, you can hear oh, that we'll weekly, uh, Sundays, 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 p.m. Uh, or, I'm sorry, 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time on 760KFMB.com. Sam, always appreciate the conversation. Thanks for coming out tonight. You're the best, brother. Have a good night. Thanks, Greg. All right, you got it. There he is, Sam yeah. Zion. Sam the cooking guy. Boom. I have no idea what the freak just happened with my Skype, but he was on full video on my right monitor, and he was not there. So I had to scour the Google images that I had. 
luckily, I found the one that uh, I'd had previously. So, lucky me. Um, this is where I talk about a sponsor. No sponsor right now, but we have one loading in for next week. One that I think you might be interested in, especially if you have iPhones. Any guesses? You tell me. You tell me. All right. Where are we at here? Coming back with a great... Oh, wait. Spelling your name wrong. I tell you, I'm literally cringing with fear that I'm going to say my next guest's name wrong. At some point. And it's going to be Leanne, but it's not. It's Lene. Mark my words. Call me out on the chat room when I do it. And I apologize in advance to Lene Oxen. Uh, we're coming back uh, with her here in just a second. Stick around. We'll be right back. Uh, but before we get to Le- uh, Lene, uh, your chance to win a $10 gift card from thebbqsuperstore.com. Check them out. they got everything you need there, plus a really great competition barbecue cook. Thebbqsuperstore.com. You send me an email in the subject line. It says Sam the Cooking Guy. Sam the Cooking Guy. For your chance to win a $10 gift certificate from thebbqsuperstore.com. Good luck. Big name interviews, advice on cooking brisket and ribs, and the only host willing to share his honest opinion on all things important in the world of barbecue. It's the Barbecue Central Show. Uh, Adam Hawthorne weighing in, wondering if the new sponsor for the show is uh, Apple. Indeed, it is not. It is not Apple. Wish it was Apple. We would be living on high fat city if it was Apple, I can tell you. Uh, thanks to Sam the Cooking Guy. Oh, well, look at this. We do have a winner for the $10 gift card. It is uh, Dave Purcell. Uh, Dave, if you would like, uh, please. Uh, actually, Dave, you don't need to send me anything. This is going to be an online uh, giveaway for you. So, all you need to do is uh, wait for the guys over at Richard Parker or the guys over at thebbqsuperstore.com to get in touch with you. I'm going to forward them your email address, and they will tell you exactly what you knew uh, you need to do to. Uh, Redeem that particular gift card. About that? What the hell happened with Skype? And that is pissing me off. It's not even there anymore. Oh, now it's there. Rat bastards. Oops, wrong one. Could be different when you're actually in a phone call. Who knows? All the time. You're welcome. Uh, I do see, as an added bonus... Greg Rempe's hair has made it into the chat. Where did you go, hair? Hey. I don't know. There's a lot of people in this house asking about uh, Greg Rempe's hair as well. Uh, I'm not going to reboot, Tim. It's too late to reboot. We are too far into the show to reboot. Plus, you know me. I mean, I got graphic, right? Totally. 
Now I got to go Facebook. Make sure I didn't miss anything here. Because <clears throat> I'm getting uh, Lene's voicemail. Oh, 9.50. 10.35. Eastern-ish. I will call you. All right. So that should be like right now. Calling you. It's great with this social media. Stephen Reichlin likes it. I like it. Who doesn't like these social media types anymore? I love it. Now, she's in Portland, Oregon. Now, look. You go Oregon, Oregon, whatever. Oregon is the proper way to say it. Not Oregon. Oregon. People from Oregon love when you say the state of Oregon correctly. I would know that because I once had a guy who lived in Portland, believe it or not. And he was the uh, dictation miser when it came to, oh, did you go to Portland, Oregon? What did you say? What did you say? It's Oregon. Like, it's a long E, Oregon. You know, whatever. Things are going from bad to worse when we're trying to get a hold of uh, Lene Oxley. The number I have for her is, yeah, I mean, I'm getting the, I'm getting the voicemail. I'm just not getting the, the person. What can I tell you? I just got an instant message from somebody, and I want to be like, hey, show's over. You beat her? Did you beat her? Hey, you, did you beat her? No names, please. No names. A lot of people uh, weighing in the fact that Skype sucks. Uh, Skype has served. Uh oh, wait. I can. I'm starting to not. Can I hear myself? Hello, hello. Yeah. I have used uh, Skype on. I've only I've only used Skype for uh, any of my interviews. Believe it or not. If you can believe it, believe it. If you can't, don't believe it. I don't care. What do I care? You know, the problem is we have running clocks here on the show. Running clocks equal, if you don't get to your segment, you're going to be whittled down quite a bit. And, of course, we all know that the main man over at Outdoor Cooking Channel really doesn't like when you run over. Doesn't like it. Doesn't like it. I know how to say Lene, folks. Getting a lot of emails in telling me how to say her. I know how to say it, but when I look at it, I should almost be like phonetically spelling it out for myself. But look, I watch the Pitmaster show enough, and I'm like, just say Lene, just say Lene. Of course, as time continues to press on, I'm not going to have to worry about anything because I won't get her. All right. I got to reload the chat room here. You know, the minute you go up, uh, you know, up chat room, you don't keep on. It doesn't uh, continually just uh, scroll up and down. Uh, so uh, I do want to thank Jim Elser from Sweet Smoke Q for sending me uh, the original sauce, the spicy sauce, and a bottle of the Q juice for me to try. Thank you, Jim. SweetSmokeQ.com, I believe, is the switch to Google Hangout. Yeah, I mean, it's... Does Google Hangout have the video? 
I don't have a software that actually can uh, interact with the Google Hangout, I don't think. You know, what I have has a Skype video thing built in. You know, built in. Now, I don't have the last read to worry about tonight, so I can stretch just a little bit. So if we can get around the horn here, we still got about, uh, you know, 14 minutes. Okay, like 12 minutes. But we can at least get into, you know, some of the, you know, the inner workings of this whole thing. Anyway, my thought was this. She's probably, you know, when I write time frames on interviewee lists, what time is this? You know, what time isn't this? Blah, 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 blah. I write 10.35 p.m. EST, Eastern Standard Time. I don't want to be an East Coast snob and say, hey, why does it always have to be Eastern Standard Time? I don't know why. A lot of people think I'm in Central Time in Ohio. That is incorrect. Uh, the only state that I know would be the one just boarding me to the west, which is Indiana. And for some reason, like that state, I don't even, I thought they might, might have even changed that at this point. But they, it was uh, an hour behind for half the year and then same time for the other six months. That's weird. I got some in today, but I won't be home till Friday. We'll let you know, David. Oh, that's Kent. I'm sorry. Who's guest 380? Hey, Greg. Hey. Hi. I don't know. Maybe that could be here. All right. Let's try it again. See what happens here. I just got an email from Stephen Reichel. Uh, Adam Hawthorne, uh, just for sake of correctness, barbecue, uh, Burger King, not my new sponsor. Burger King is not my sponsor. I would. I would take them on for sure. I mean, it's all the right money, right? It's all good. Uh, congratulations again to David Purcell for winning the $10 gift card from thebbqsuperstore.com. Next week's we'll have uh, some more giveaways. Uh, by the way, if we look at the docket for next week's do we say next week's show? Uh, next week's next week's show. Still getting voicemail. Daniel Vaughn will be on the show. Does anybody know Daniel Vaughn? Well, he is the uh, full custom gospel originator of that website. And he was going around to all of these Texas barbecue restaurants and eating there, all of them, and then rating how good the food was. Can I get that job? Is that possible? I want to eat all the barbecue possible. Then... He is now the, oh, man. I want to say it's Time Magazine. It's not Time Magazine. My earpiece is going out. I can barely hear myself. What's the, what's the name of the rag that he's writing for? He's the, uh, he's the only barbecue editor. Only barbecue editor in the country, I believe, at this point. He'd also signed the book deal. With uh, Anthony Bourdain's, uh, it was like uh, Green Eco Publishing or something like that. So he's really been able to turn, you know, here's a guy who had just started a website, uh, has become an authority on reviews, and especially Texas barbecue, and has really parlayed it into a career. My man was in Cleveland like three weeks ago. Guess who didn't get a phone call? This guy. Hey, Greg Daniel. In town. 
in your hometown uh, would sure love to get together for you and uh, throw beers, and we can rate how sucky Cleveland barbecue is. You know me. Would love to do that. But you see him on all the TV all the time now. It's going to be a great interview. Very looking forward. Very, uh, very looking forward. Looking forward to him coming back on the show. We had him on, and it was at some point last year, I think. So always fun to see how somebody's career progresses as they uh, grow through the websites. Also, Patrick Martin from Martin's Barbecue Joint will be joining us. You know, I think if I am speaking not out of turn, I have tried to get Patrick Martin on this show for roughly four years, and next week it comes to fruition. It's going to be awesome. Nothing more exciting to me than talking to somebody who has decided to take a leap, leap into one of the most volatile businesses you can ever get into on the face of the earth. Uh, that, of course, being uh, the barbecue restaurant business. Not just the restaurant business, but when you start to niche it out, the barbecue restaurant business. And then, of course, uh, Scott Robertson for the monthly barbecue sauce and grilling uh, uh, sauce and rub reviews always love when Scott comes on so I've been getting this question a lot you know middle of summer people have a lot of summer birthdays coming up what grill should I get great question what grill should you get first survey the landscape look out in your backyard this is annoying the crap out of me. I cannot hear it. Life is getting dim. I apologize for this right off the bat uh, for the viewers in video land. But I am uh, going uh, old school cans right here. I hope, it, I hope it isn't messing up my hair anymore, ladies and gentlemen. So survey your landscape. See what you have. Do you have a, a crappy Kenmore grill? Do you have a rusting, stainless steel, badly warped and discolored charbroil, you know, whatever? Survey the landscape and then figure out how many times a week. If you're going to shuck out money for a new cooking appliance, how many times are you going to cook out? Once a week, three times a month, five times a week? Are you going to cook no matter what the weather conditions are? A lot of people, you know, pack up the grill, if you will, right around, oh, let's call it Labor Day. And then they put it in the garage and they break it out maybe once during the winter. Probably not. My philosophy is this on buying a grill. Buy one size bigger than you think you need. Don't be afraid to spend a minimum, minimum of $700 on a grill, gas grill. Charcoal grill you can get for much less. I, I would uh, also encourage you to buy a uh, Weber kettle grill for 150 bucks or whatever it is, and then buy a gas grill on top of that. Or also buy a smoker on top of it. Buy three cooking appliances. You'll have three different units. You can do a multitude of different things. You can still get out for under two grand. If you want a big steel offset Texas-style smoker like a Gator or a Close or a Bates or whatever you want to call it or Pitmaster, I mean, you're in two Gs easy. And we're talking for like, you know, 48 inches of cooking space. I mean, certainly a lot 
for the common backyard guy, but you know, this isn't like a substantial style cooker. If you're going to get into one of those things, you're going to be spending, you know, four, five, six, seven thousand dollars. You're going to have it a mobile pit, trailer, stuff like that. Buy one size up. Don't be afraid to spend seven hundred dollars on a good quality appliance like a Weber. I always go back to Weber because the warranties are great, the parts are great, they're always accessible, and the customer service is second to none. And they, by the way, not a sponsor of the show. That's my suggestion to you. If you want to buy a new grill, if you want to step it up, don't be afraid to spend the money, especially if you're going to use it. Look, nothing is worse than spending uh, a mediocre to small amount of money, getting a piece of crappy equipment in return, and then deciding that you don't like cooking outside. It's probably not because you don't like cooking outside. It's probably because the uh, grill that you have is a piece of crap. Never afraid to call a piece of crap grill a piece of crap. Spend the money, like I always say, buy the best, cry once. Don't cry over and over again because you're looking to save a couple nickels and dimes. Like so many nickels and dimes. All right, so that was a great interview with uh, Lene Oxley, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, We're coming back to wrap up the show right after this. Stick around. We'll be right back. Live from the Barbecue Central Radio Network Studios in Cleveland, Ohio. You're listening to the Barbecue Central Radio Show. Once again, here's your host, Greg Rampey. All right, we are back. 877-448-0433, 877-448-0433, Greg at TheBBQCentralShow.com. Dave, before you leave, uh, make sure you ask Lene Oxley, what the hell is going on? Fool me once, shame on me, right? Dave, you taught me that thing. Fool me once, shame on me. A lot of people giving me suggestions on grills to buy. I don't need a grill. I got plenty. However, I always suggest, always suggest that if you're going to, if you're in the market, if you're looking for one, don't cheap out. Go in wholeheartedly. Budget for sure. Budget for sure. But figure out who am I going to be cooking for the most? How many could I be potentially cooking for? That's the problem, right? If you buy the grill that you're going to be cooking for the most on, you know, you're going to get great use out of it 85% of the time. But there's 15% of the time that you might decide to throw a party or that people might invite themselves over to you or you don't have more than one cooking apparatus like I got out on the deck, five, six, seven. What are you going to do? If you only bought a grill that's going to be able to feed five people and you have 15 or 20 in your house, you're screwed. You're going to look like an idiot. You're going to be doing uh, flights of cooking time. Who wants to do flights of cooking time? Nobody. It's like one of the worst things ever. Do yourself a favor. Buy up one. 
you're looking the Esprit model, go Genesis. If you're looking at the Genesis model, go and do... We might be doing a giveaway here. Um, if you're looking at Genesis, go Summit. If you're looking at four burner summit, go six burner. You're looking at six burner summit, go eight. All right, look. You want to do some uh, purple pork masters barbecue sauce giveaway? I know I do. Parent, ladies and gentlemen, here you go. Your chance to win purple pork masters barbecue sauce. Send me an email in the subject line, Harry Carrot. Yeah, Harry Carrot, self promoter. Do it now, you can win. All right. I just blacked out there. There's nothing worse than uh, buyer's remorse. And that's the one thing I tell people when you're buying a grill. Look, don't get something that you think you've convinced yourself into because it seems financially better at the moment. Because in two months or three months or two weeks or four hours down the road... When you realize you should have went up an extra two, three, four hundred bucks, I mean, what is that in the grand scheme of things? If you're getting a quality piece, you're gonna have it for five, six, seven years. Extrapolate out the cost. What's the extra three hundred bucks over five years, six years? Like two cents a day. You're gonna be cooking five or six times a day. There you go. Spelled correctly, you win, David Garza. Boom. Look at you. Uh, David, you go ahead and send me your shipping information, and I'll make sure that uh, that gets to the right people, if you know what I mean. I know you know what I'm talking about. All right, let's go ahead and wrap it up. Very disappointed we didn't get Lene. Uh, Wanted to get her take. All right, all the way back in the first hour, we talked to George Hensler, author of uh, Totally Q, an insider's look at the crazy world of barbecue. You can find it at Amazon.com, 13 bucks, give or take, depending on you know what time of day or day you're looking at it. Also, don't forget his book, Start in the Fire, a complete guide to starting your own barbecue competition cooking team. Don't miss it. Then we have High Priest of the Barbecue Grilling Community, Stephen Reichlin joins us. Yes, Stephen. BarbecueBible.com is his main website. Island Apart, his novel that has something to do but really nothing to do with uh, cooking, barbecue, whatnot. And then in the uh, second hour, Sam Zion. Sam the Cooking Guy joined us. little Paula Deen talk, little Spam talk. Spam. Pickles next week on the Sam Livecast, by the way. You can catch him at 760kfmb.com for his weekly radio show on Sundays at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern Standard. And uh, no Lene actually to close out the show, but you never know what will happen next week. Uh, until next Tuesday at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, wait, before we go, September 11th, 2001, I will never forget. And until next Tuesday at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, it's your program host and proud U.S. American, Greg Rempe. Good night now.